today on The Journey from Pastor Steve DeWitt. If I can trust the wisdom of God in Christ to save me from hell and to give me heaven, why can I not trust him for the day-to-day matters that I am dealing with as a man? If I can trust him to keep me out of hell and to give me eternal life, why can't I trust his wisdom in my marriage and in my parenting and in my singleness and in my work? It's not a different faith. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. Every time we drive, board a plane, or even eat in a restaurant, we're exercising faith and trusting in the wisdom of man. But unfortunately, when it comes to trusting the wisdom of God, we sometimes struggle. Today, Pastor Steve makes a biblical case for why we can trust God in all things. You'll find relevant resources online at thejourney.fm. Here now is Pastor Steve with a message titled, Trusting the Wisdom of God. Now, why am I the way that I am? Deep down in the recesses of my heart, here is why I am this way. It is because I want to be God. Now, some of you are thinking to yourself right now, why are we here today? This is, why why is he up there? He would seem to be the least qualified, of course, if he wants to be God to be up here talking about why we should trust in the wisdom of God. Well, I would like men for you to look into the deep recesses of your own heart and ask yourself, why is it that I want to be in charge? Why is it that I want to be in control? Why is it that I want to be viewed as a bastion of knowledge and virtue and to project essentially to the world around us, that we're good. Now, I've just had two weekends of men's retreats, and I think that many of the conversations at these men's retreats are probably similar to the kinds of conversations that even go on in our church amongst men, where we get together and we're like, hey. And the other guy's like, hey. Now, sometimes that's as deep as it goes right there. <laughs> but really good conversational men will be like, how's it going? And from this point on, oftentimes it goes something like this. Great. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really, really good. Well, how's your wife doing? Totally happy. All the time. Happy. How are your children doing? Almost perfect. They are. They're awesome. Just awesome. How are you doing spiritually? Well, I'm at church, am I not? Here I am. I could be home watching something or like all my other friends, but no, I'm here. I mean, this says something, doesn't it? I'm here. And we project through these kinds of, I don't know if you just call them avoidances. We, we want people, as men, we want other people to view us as having all of our ducks in a row, that everything is good. We're We're good. In fact, we're wonderful. Not just wonderful, wonderful, we're almost divine. We want to be God. We want to be self-sufficient, which is fine and dandy, of course, while life is going along in a positive way, and we think, oh, I must be doing things right. My way of thinking is, is, must be the right way of thinking. But what inevitably happens is in every man's life, it turns in directions that are painful, 
And now the man, who up to this point has been the self-sufficient man, begins to grapple with the reality that I am not the God of my life. I'm not in control. Our health fails us. Our marriage fails us. Our children disappoint us. Our employer pink slips us. Or in a moment of like mental clarity, we look in the mirror and we realize that life is very quickly passing by. And a thinking man, a thinking man, will resonate with the last words that Frank Sinatra said on this earth. I'm losing. I'm losing. Men start off self-sufficient and powerful and great and strong, but in the end, we're losing. And it's hard for us to come to grips with that. And what is even harder for us, once we acknowledge that we are not self-sufficient, is to ask for help. Men do not want to ask for help. Because implicit in the asking for help is an acknowledgement that I don't know it all, that I don't have what it takes, that I'm not up to the challenge. A man doesn't want to admit that. We need help. In fact, men, say those words with me today. We need help help. Comes out hard, doesn't it? And some of you are like, I ain't saying it. And I'm not saying it because you told us to say it. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. And I have no problem with control issues in my life. Yeah. So as we come to the subject of trusting the wisdom of God, the first thing that I want to say, and this is not the main point, it's just a foundational point, and it's not from James, it's actually from 1 Corinthians 1, is that Christianity requires, in order to step into the realm of salvation in Christ, it requires a man to do what is counterintuitive for a man. And it's true for you ladies as well. We must believe in a crucified Savior and acknowledge that he has done what I cannot do. It is to acknowledge that I need help and to humble myself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Here's 1 Corinthians 1. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. The basic message of Christianity rubs the natural man the wrong way because it forces us to say what we in our natural sinful selves do not want to say. And that is that I can't save myself. In fact, we see it right here. We preach Christ crucified. In other words, he died in our place. He saved us. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. The word there in the Greek for stumbling block is the word scandalon, 
We get the word scandalous from it. One, uh, one dictionary uh, uh, defines it this way. That which gives offense or causes revulsion, that which arouses opposition, an object of anger or disapproval. The cross is fundamentally offensive to the natural man apart from the spirit. And that's why in this world, particularly if you watch the media or other, other people like that, you talk about Jesus and you talk about uh, dying on the cross, you can just see the eyes rolling back in their heads, can't you? Oh, that. I think of Bill uh, Maher, who came out with that movie, a religious. Religion and ridiculous. Religious. What was he saying there? This whole religion, it's, it's, there's nothing to it. It's so silly. And the world looks at Christianity that way because... It forces us to admit that we need help. And it strikes the natural man's sensibilities as being just wrong because it elevates God and it diminishes man. Man doesn't want man diminished. Man wants man exalted. And who cares what happens to God? It's all about me, right? And the gospel, men, the gospel requires us to acknowledge and enthusiastically embrace the fact that spiritually we are in need of help. We are in the spiritual mind. We can't save ourselves. All the things that I try to do in order to make myself right with God and men can't do it. We need a rescue, and Christ is the rescue. The wisdom of God sent to us so that now, there is a way for us to be restored to our relationship with our creator. And it requires faith and belief, which flows from a basic acknowledgement that I need to be saved and I cannot save myself. It's a pretty good illustration, I think, of our spiritual condition before God. Now, here's why I say all of that on the matter of trusting in the wisdom of God. Oftentimes, I think Christians think that I come to faith in Christ. So there's a kind of faith that saves me. And we look back in our life, if we're a Christian, we came to that realization at some point or that embracing of Christ as Savior. So we, oh yeah, that is when I had saving faith. And then we look at the living out of faith in our life and we view it like it's some other faith. Like, I, okay, now I got to get that faith that I live by every day. No, 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 no. It is the same faith. It's the same faith applied now in the day-to-day -day of life. Here's the logic of it. If I can trust the wisdom of God in Christ to save me from hell and to give me heaven and eternal life, why can I not trust him for the day-to-day -day matters that I am dealing with as a man. You see, if I can trust him to keep me out of hell and to give me eternal life, why can't I trust his wisdom in my marriage and in my parenting and in my singleness and in my work and in my school and in my hobbies or whatever it is? It's not a different faith. It is the same faith that embraces Jesus as Lord. Now in the day-to-day -day moments of surrender and submission, applying what God's word says, to all of the categories of my life. 
And a real man, as they say at this conference, or a godly man, is a man who is wanting to do that and is trusting that God's way is better than whatever way I may think. It's the same faith. I think that's so important because, I don't have time for this, but here's why I think it's so important, is because there are so many men, oh, I've taken care of the matter with God. Oh, yes, I'm a believer. Back in the day, I remember when I came to faith in Christ. Oh, really? Well, how's how's that going like right now in your life? Oh, I don't know so much. I don't know. You're like, what? No, 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 no. You can't separate them. It's the same. If Christ is my Lord and my faith and my belief in him, then he, in salvation, then he is in all the other things in my life and he needs to be. Do you get what I'm saying with that? And men especially want to kind of have this dichotomy between what I took care of so I go to heaven and then the way that I live my life. Uh, No, it is all together. All right, now James, okay? James 1. How, how do we get this wisdom and how do we trust in it? This is what James is going to help us with. Beginning in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind." For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. May God bless his word to us today. We don't have time to get too much into the context, but just to notice that verses 5 through 8 are in a broader context of James' teaching about trials. He says in verse Two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. So we see James here acknowledging something, that when we are in a trial, suddenly our life is, it starts to feel like it's spinning out of control. People will say things like this in the midst of a trial. My life isn't making sense right now. It doesn't make any sense. And what they mean by that is that the aspects of life that before I had kind of a grid and everything felt comfortable and it made sense, in the trials, like, and these things are spiraling out of control and I'm seeking to find some meaning in this. I need some place to put my feet down and say, this is true. This is what I believe. And to that end, James says, you need wisdom. And boy, in the midst of trials, don't we realize how much we need wisdom? Are you with me? Absolutely. So, what should we do? Here's the first thing. Ask for it. Ask God for wisdom. That's verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Now, if we're going to ask God for wisdom, we better make sure we know what wisdom is. So, very quickly, what is wisdom? Wisdom. Wisdom is not being smart. Wisdom is not knowing a lot about something. Uh, Wisdom is not self-confidence in the trial. It's not having all the facts straight about something. This is what wisdom is. It is the ability to live according to God's truth in the day-to-day of life. 
the ability to live by God's truth in the day-to-day of life. This is what Solomon, if you read the Proverbs, and I would encourage all of you to do it on a regular basis, this is what Solomon realized that his sons needed. They didn't need to graduate from the very best schools. They didn't need to have a really great free throw percentage. They didn't need to score something on Halo. What they needed was wisdom. And boy, to the young men in our church, I hope that you're listening. What we want in your life more than anything else is a love for God in Christ and an application of that wisdom in all of the day-to-day things that you face. May God raise up godly, wise, young men in this church. Amen? Solomon realized his sons need it. Writes in Proverbs 8, Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. 8.35, For whoever finds wisdom finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Now, what does that mean? If you find wisdom, you find life? Here's what you mean. It means the man who appropriates the truth of God, primarily found in his word, and can apply that to all of the temptations and trials and difficulties that every day represents for us as men. That is a kind of living that is real life. If you find that, you have found life. That's what he's saying. And that is very, very valuable. More valuable than any amount of money. Here's what one author says, that wisdom sees the meaning and significance of things. I like that. This is an opposition in Proverbs to the fool. Okay, the fool, the fool is somebody, life just happens to him. He has no discernment about what's going on in his life. He can't see what really matters. He values things that don't matter in the end. He doesn't value things that do matter in the end. You try to talk to a fool. He doesn't listen. He's wise in his own eyes. This is the, pro- this is the, the, the fool in the book of Proverbs. But the wise man is the one who can discern from the wisdom that God's word has given him, which means that we are spending time learning, growing in God's revelation to us. It's, it's in the heart in such a way that allows me then to live my life this way. This is the wise man who sees his life through the grid of the values and priorities and directions that God has given in his word. And boy, do we need men like that. Solidly biblical, godly, wise men. This is what Jesus spoke of in the Sermon on the Mount when he said it's the wise man who builds his house on the rock and it is the fool who builds his house on the sand. The wise man's house stands, but the fool's house falls. That's wisdom. So what happens then is in the course of life, the self-sufficient man eventually is grappling with overwhelming things in his life that are all pointing to one conclusion that he doesn't want to come to. I am not sufficient. That I am not God. I need help. Now, that might come out in questions like, how could this happen? What does this mean? Does God love me? Why would God allow this? What does the future hold? Am I going to make it? Have I done something wrong? Which way should we go? 
And it's easy in these kind of moments to feel fear and discouragement. I'm trying to figure all this out and I can't make sense of it. But this points out something that I want you to get this. When we are in a financial trial, what we don't need is more money. And when we are in a marital trial, what we don't need is a new spouse. And when we are in a vocational trial, what we don't need is a new job. In those moments, what we need is wisdom. And no doubt we've got men here today who are right in that. They're like, oh man, that is me. I don't know what's going on. I need God's help. Acknowledging that is the first step. So where do we get wisdom from? And what we find James saying is that we get it from God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. And we see really two characteristics here of the kind of giving that God gives to us. First of all, he gives generously. This means that he is not, he's not frugal. He's not cheap. He's not in heaven kind of going, okay, fine, you can have it. He's for us. Men, listen to me. The God of heaven is for you. He wants to help you. And he says, ask me for what you need. I want to give it to you. And Jesus points this out in the Sermon on the Mount where he says if, if, actually I'll read it here, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I don't know what better news I have for you than this, that on this day, this morning, in the midst of whatever trial that you're in, there is a God in heaven filled with wisdom who wants to help you and will do so generously. If you ask him, we see the second characteristic, which is also assuring. He does this without finding fault. I feel oftentimes when I am in a trial or a temptation or whatever it is, I feel like I'm coming to God and it's the same old thing. You ever feel that way in prayer? Like, okay, God, it's me again. And I'm praying the same prayer that I've prayed every Tuesday for the last 10 years of my life. And sometimes we feel like we've got to sort of word it differently so God doesn't realize that we're basically asking for the same thing. He gives to us without finding fault. He's not in heaven when we ask him for help, thinking to himself, what is your problem? Why can't you figure this out on your own? Why are you bothering me? That's not the God in heaven. He wants to help us. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Psalm 145, verse 8. And when we turn to him for help, all he feels is love. A comforting reminder of God's love and wisdom from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. That was the first part of a message titled, Trusting the Wisdom of God. You can listen again by subscribing to our podcast. Just search your favorite podcast app for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt, or visit our message archive online at thejourney.fm. On our website, you'll also find helpful articles by Pastor Steve on topics like family, finances, and faith. So be sure to take advantage of these practical resources. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, I want to take this opportunity to thank our ministry partners. Your faithful financial support allows The Journey to air on stations throughout the central U.S. and the Midwest. And we're also able to reach listeners across the globe through the Moody Radio Network and all major podcast platforms. So as we head deeper into 2024, 
Would you help set us on firm financial ground by giving a generous gift? Your donation of any amount will help bring the gospel to listeners around the world. You can give online at thejourney.fm or call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. And to say thanks for your gift, we'll send you a book that pairs perfectly with our current series. It's titled Decision-Making and the Will of God. This book presents a fresh and liberating approach to God's will that will give you confidence that you need to live with purpose. Request your copy today by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. And we'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend at Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana. That's where Pastor Steve is the senior pastor. You'll find directions and more at BethelWeb.org. I'm Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.